Hey there, this is Lewis Johnson taking my love of sports into the world of esports. So I'm breaking down what's happening in the esports industry, talking with great guests, influencers, and tracking their personal and professional journeys to see how all of that has influenced where they are now. And in the end, I hope you're inspired. And so with that, welcome to All In With Esports. All right, everybody, welcome back once again. It's another edition of All In With Esports. Lewis Johnson, glad you're with me, ready to tackle another great topic, another great guest. I hope you will enjoy Inspired. I hope all these good things happen for you in the next uh, few minutes or so. Of course, it's esportsfutureide.com. You can find us there on Twitter, twitter.com, Facebook. You guys know all that by now, I think, because I see some of the comments, but I do appreciate uh, seeing you interact there. Of course, we are paying attention to everything that you're saying. And so that's all good stuff. Um, All right. So let me just throw this at you. I think it's clear. This is not like science, brain science, whatever. You know, look, it's tough to accomplish anything without a high level of commitment, focus, determination. You've heard those words before, right? Yeah. And the strength of our commitment to ourselves, uh, to something, to a goal, it it really in the end has to be up to us, right? We got to own that. Then one of the questions should be, I think at some point, what am I going to do with the knowledge I've gained with these experiences? You know, who am I going to serve with these grand plans and ideas that I have? You know, is, is it all about me or is there a higher purpose for my skills, education, the failures and successes. What am I doing with all that stuff? Well, my guest today is a great example of someone uh, taking his passion for esports and everything that comes with it. You look, his education, the entrepreneurial spirit, which is super strong, technology, years of experience in the space, and he's brought it back home to serve his community. And he still keeps his hand in the national and global esports ecosystem at the same time, uh, doing so in a building that he that sat empty for five years. And then step by step, he's created a fantastic facility that I got to tour yesterday in South Dallas. It's actually in DeSoto, Texas, to be uh, exact, just south of downtown Dallas. Really an awesome building and a space known as Exposure, right? Exposure. So Exposure is the leading esports technology provider of professional esports education, production and studio services, competitive gaming experiences, and career development for the community and global enterprises. And the CEO is here with me today. It's Danny Martin. Danny, how are you? Welcome to All In With Esports. Uh, thank you so much for the welcome, man. You know, every day is a learning experience. And so I'm just learning just as much from you and the way you carry yourself in regards to interaction with individuals within the space, outside of the space. And it's just really inspiring to see, you know, looking forward to being able to grow through this duration of this time within this industry with you and other individuals that are adding so much value to the space. Well, I appreciate that. And I think we're all trying to add our value, but I'm just so impressed with what you're doing. It was really cool. I want to thank you for that tour and explanation of how your facility came to to be, came along over the last few years, managing the pandemic and what you're doing now and the plans for later. And we're going to talk about all that in just a few minutes. But before we step back and take some listeners on your journey, that's taking you from South Dallas to UT San Antonio to Silicon Valley and full circle back to the area where you are now. Tell me something, tell folks about Exposure and the facility and, and how the mission is to serve the community of DeSoto and South Dallas. 
Yeah, that's it, it was easy just to recognize when we were in downtown with, you know, with the facility that I had, which is my loft, 2000 square foot space. I would quickly identify that individuals who come inside of that centralized area in downtown Dallas, individuals who come from the southern sectors to experience gaming and a different format, 5v5, 4v4 competition and individuals who come from the Frisco area and Plano area. It's just as much. I always identify that it was just a little bit harder for individuals from the southern sector of Dallas to get to the studio. I will always hear like the challenges that would transpire. So in this instance, it just gave me the sense of like, wow, I would like to make it closer to make sure that the individuals have the same access to the same things that we're providing. And it just made it easier for me to go back home to ultimately provide opportunity as this industry grew. You know, it definitely wasn't an easy process because in this area what and what you might see other areas out there esports is starting to gain a lot of traction a little bit faster but when it comes down to the southern sector of dallas esports is there they're listening to it but there really hasn't been the element of actually programming outside of just hearing you know three a person that played fortnite won three million dollars so it's like oh there's something you know <laughs> but a lot of people are not just like taking it on because they don't quite understand it. So instead of looking at it as a challenge uh, or, or just a, a sheer shot, like this is insane to do. I looked at it as an opportunity to really impact the communities and spread information to the communities. Things that we see on a daily basis by being inside of the space. And when we look on LinkedIn or our social media platforms as plastered with esports and news. And I just really want to provide that information to the community so they can be abreast of the opportunities within this space. So ultimately they can ultimately say, let me start to work towards that. And their parents and instructors and administrators can help prep them. So therefore those skills can be applicable to obtaining jobs within this space. So ultimately it was just giving insight to a community that didn't have the necessary insight before. So therefore they can make sound decisions to incorporate themselves within this industry that's growing so fast. Yeah, you know, Danny, you, you've got great equipment there because whatever that noise was we heard in the background, what was it, a refrigerator or something? I mean, that was a quick fix. It's gone. <laughs> yes, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, one of the things I noticed is you just have such great equipment and I'm not joking about that. You really do. And I love to see all the different stations where people could play. But, you know, it's tough to see it not being active right now. So what kind of events can uh, people host at your venue right now during the COVID pandemic as we hopefully are ed- heading to the next ex- <laughs> So really it's been more private events, more like individuals who want to book the actual space for like, you know, two to 20 individuals that are very socially distanced. But for us, we've just been utilizing our space for more single single opportunities for individuals to come in and stream, to come in to actually shoot content amongst themselves. Any celebrities that are in town that come by and actually do any inserts in the actual music studio room that we have, or they will actually compete on the stage when it comes down to us doing that of virtual productions for clients like Sony Music or Columbia Records or any other clients that ask us to do virtual gaming events. The celebrities will come in and actually be on the actual gaming station. But when it comes down to it, our a lot of our events that we do have been virtual, even from the, you know, the gaming events, but even when it comes down to our virtual education training sessions and the seminars and a lot of the educational elements in that in which we do, everything has uh, transpired to being virtually, which is, you know, really unique because we didn't quite think of it before the COVID happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's one of the unique things about this pandemic. We can never forget about the, the loss 
and all the setbacks and the difficulties it's created for so many communities. At the same time, for some, and I would think for you and for even those of us in MAP Esports Network, you are forced to find new ways to do things and do, do new business. And I think the exciting thing on the back end of that is that you will have developed something new, maybe faster, more streamlined. And then when we get back to the regular life, it'll be something that'll be really tremendous. You told me about growing up in South Dallas. Let's step back in your life. We got to do some of this Olympic storytelling, all right? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So, so, you know, Lancaster high school, you said it was about school track. You were cutting lawns for your uncle who, who had that lawn care business. And then I loved what you telling me about uh, working on a barbecue truck at late night to locations to sell food, but you didn't go to parties. You didn't drink. You were highly focused. So what I'm wondering is how and why were you so focused and determined so early as a high schooler? Yeah, I think, you know, I had, I had, I had my grandmother, I lived with a considerable amount of my time in high school. And then my uncles, you know, were very like serious about life because they, you know, experienced some, you know, really traumatic things from when it comes down to, you know, going to prison for a considerable amount of years and coming out and being able to say, wow, it's hard for me to even obtain a job in this space right now, let alone have the skill sets to really be productive in this space. So they ultimately had to go back to like the, you know, the, the basics of life to say, I need to be able to provide for myself. And for them, that's what they took that serious. So when they're cutting yards or, you know, when they're painting houses or cleaning up foreclosed homes, that's serious for them. So when they're looking at being able to build a team, they're quite naturally looking at, you know, a 14, 15, 16 year old to be able to help them. And when I would want to play around with my with my, you know, my my peers, it would be like a no. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you know, get in order. Or you better get this job done. And and it, it became real serious for me. And then, you know, I, I I would be mad at first, but then, you know, Fridays will come along and I'll get a paycheck. And I'll be like, actually, this is actually pretty cool. I'm making capital in high school and I can, you know, afford to pay for some shoes or I can afford to pay gas. And ultimately, you know, I, and the main thing is I didn't have to ask my parents for money. Right. Because I knew if I I knew what they were going through. So ultimately, I didn't want to be just another burden. Right. And so at that instance, it just made it sense. Like I am helping my family in a better, you know, in a better and helping them, you know, get through life in a more easier fashion by having less weight on their shoulders. And I felt I I was proud of that. Right. So ultimately, it was ultimately being able to make capital for myself, then making sure that I get my grades done and then ultimately making sure I get to practice on time. And I actually output in practice enough to be looked at with the thought process of being able to go to college and further my education and also uh, my athletic uh, endeavors. That was a very important thing for me. Very important. You know, you reminded me of a story. You're talking about your grandparents, man. I spent time with mine as well. My grandfather, Webster Cavanaugh, God rest his soul, Austin, Texas. I can remember going to visit him, them, he and my grandmother once for spring break, right? And I invite one of my college track and field teammates to come to Austin. So we get down there and it's hot as it can be. And we want to hang out because it's spring break. I'm doing air quotes, yeah. right? And I'll never forget my grandfather said, Lurs, I need you to come with me. I said, where are we going, Papa? He says, I got to go and, and retard that rent house down over there on, 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 uh, Del, on Del Valley Street. I'm like, what? And he says, he can come too. Yeah. We are on the top of the roof and it's 95 degrees, putting tar on the repairing this roof. And I looked at my friend and I said, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry, man. He goes, it's all right, Lou. I said, I'm so sorry. I said, my grandfather's old school. He didn't know yeah. what, spring break. What is that? 
Like, what is that? Oh, <laughs> my gosh. But those are moments where you learn about work ethic, real yeah. work ethic, you know, from people who know what it's all about. Exactly. So uh, you said you've been gaming uh, in the early days, you know, when you were competing in football, track and field. 800, yeah. right? 800, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. What was your best time? It was around about 157, 159, 157. Okay, now you, you know we can check now. We can check. Yeah, you better go check. Because I want to <laughs> lie about my PR all the time. I ran 147.00. It's still a school record in Cincinnati. But I wanted to run like 144, 145. And I can't lie because, you know, we got information right here. You got know? it, yes. <laughs> anyway, but you're a half miler. But it was that injury that forced you to think uh, about what else you might do. So what happened? That forced you to look beyond sports and start really thinking about career development for yourself and going into business in the entrepreneurial uh, directions. Yeah, I think when it came down to just understanding that as an individual within this space, I literally wanted to, I heard entrepreneurship all the time from my uncles. Like mm-hmm. they use the term entrepreneurship all the time. So for me, I didn't know exactly what it was. I just know you're a business owner, but I didn't know everything that went into it. So I was still curious to knowing all the different things. So going to school, it was just as soon as I heard entrepreneur, you know, as a minor, it wasn't a, you know, a major. I was just like, okay, well, I know that I want to, you know, in order for me to get close to entrepreneurship, I had to do uh, a BA, a business administration degree. So in this instance, that was just my way of getting closer to getting involved with entrepreneurship. So I went through all the prerequisites that I needed just to get closer to entrepreneurship. And I knew how to kind of build a business, but I didn't have all of the actual, you know, building blocks. So I knew I needed to learn from instructors to figure out the biz- the benefits of a business plan and the benefits of that, of speaking and really understanding the accounting elements. And I, I knew that that was something that I had to understand. I when it comes down to just hustling, you can come up with an idea and just go out and try to sell it and, and you know, obtain, you know, and, and showcase the individuals, your services and your product. But right. when it comes down to actually putting together in a business, there's a whole nother thing that you have to be able to learn to it. Absolutely. And, you know, some of the uh, young people that will come through your center when things open back up in South Dallas and DeSoto, a lot of them, some of them want to be professional athletes. And those are great aspirations. But if something happens to them, like it happened to you, I believe you said it was a torn ACL that forced you now to begin to have to look at something else. You want to have that backup plan. And if you love esports, and you love gaming, they come to your place at Exposure and begin to get an actual pathway toward being in the business uh, on so many different areas. When you were at the University of Texas, San Antonio, studying business and small business management, and entrepreneurship, tell everybody the story about how you were helping to fix broken consoles and how you got involved with really going inside some of these units and then how you began to see that as a business opportunity and then how it all led to you being able to see what people were were doing and how that you started to garner data. I mean, it was just an incredible experience there. Yeah, I think that was uh, one of the coolest things is being with our our athletes in school, one of my track athletes, his name was Carby Evans, and he had an experience where his actual console was broke and he was trying to figure out exactly how to fix it. And someone else was like, hey, I actually know someone in the same cafe in, in school. Another teammate was like, I actually know someone that can, can fix it. And at that point, you know, we went to that person's facility, which was about 45 minutes off of campus. And we sat there and he fixed it. He actually took it apart and he identified that it was a lens error on the Xbox. And at that point, I looked, I was like, wow, if we can actually figure this, I told Carver, I said, Carver, we can figure this out. We can be able to engage with everybody on campus and we have a business. And Carver was like, man, I'm just trying to play games. You know, what are you talking about? You know, and I was just like, 
no, this is a great opportunity for us. And I start like little by little creating like little little marketing panels where I would go and knock on doors and, you know, little by little, day by day, I would have one console, two consoles, three consoles, four consoles. I'd be like, Carvey, let's go to Hubei's facility and let's get these fixed. And Carvey would be like, dog, you crazy. You know, like you're doing all this outside of practice, getting your work done. And you're just trying to, and you're literally trying to make capital. And I was like, yes, like it's a, it's a serious element. And eventually I just started identifying that You know, when I get someone's console, I know, you know, what game they play, how they play, how good they were at the game. When I go to their dorm room and I see that they're playing with other individuals, that was easy for me to identify, like, the type of community that they are surrounded by. And I would just take that data and host tournaments with it. And that was another opportunity to make some revenue and to really engage individuals on campus. Um, Because it was also another opportunity to when you do a tournament, you can advertise that you can fix consoles and do this. So it was just like one of those reverse elements where it was really interesting to be able to see. So that business grew and it was cool to be able to see how many people was able to impact on the campus. Yeah. And what's so amazing about that is that all the things that you're doing now, plus more, those were the beginning steps of you actually having that that mindset that you would be on your way to something. You didn't know quite what it was going to be, maybe exposure, what have you. But those that 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 early drive to really get in there and figure things out is what it's all about. And I think the other beauty about you, about your location, Danny, is that for the young people who don't know or may have an idea or do know they can they can start wherever they are is that correct yeah. to come in there and, and get that direction and whether yeah. it's being a pro gamer or it's learning how to do all the other things they can come there and get that education is that right yes and one of the biggest reasons why you know i i i believe that that's so true is you know with the space right now and how individuals like even with our team our team has been here for approximately like two to three years, some individuals a little bit longer, but they've been able to build the skills necessary in that short of a time span to do projects for large corporations, large entities all across the globe. Mm-hmm. So just seeing that short of a time lets me know that you can be just started in this space. You can be been in this space for, you know, 11, 12, 15 years, but there's a space for everyone. And that's cool because of the skill sets that are needed to actually be able to execute proper things that the industry and that the world is needing right now. These instances and skill sets can be learned quickly, but it's really based off of how much you want to learn it. And if you really want to learn it, then you can add a a considerable amount of value to this space. And I always talk about the element of individuals who are looking to come into space that are looking to diversify their portfolio, whether you are esports, you know, or whether you're a nurse and you want to be an esports nurse or you're a lawyer and now you want to be an esports lawyer, that is supremely beneficial. While as much as if you're a student that are looking to be able to figure out your way through this industry, you can utilize the skill sets that you've learned to be applicable to test all type of different elements inside of this industry and find what works for you as you enter into this new industry as it moves. So it's really cool for both elements. So, so an esports nurse or an esports lawyer? Yeah, for sure. Yes. You see it all the time, you know, and it's really cool because there there's an avenue for it as a company like myself, where I actively go and find younger talent in high schools and colleges I literally came through the conundrums where, yes, I want to help support younger individuals, but their skill sets, some of the skill sets are not quite there 
in an instance, and 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 an instance that it's it's aligned or it's aligned with that of someone who has ten years experience in being a lawyer, where they can actually take those practices and make them applicable to the esports industry, mm-hmm. and they are that much more you know ready for high level engagement for companies like us. Like if we're knowing that we're growing in this space, we want to have some of the best of the best individuals inside of the space. And it's not like I can just go to monster.com and find someone with 10 years of experience in esports. So ultimately you have to find someone with 10 years experience in the direction that you're trying to go in. You're ultimately teaching them about the esports industry and it can ultimately help them. So it's a, it's a basis on both sides, which is really cool. Right. And we've right. had to experience it on both ends. And, and speaking of experiences, one piece of the story here that we can't leave out, which I thought, again, was another compelling element to your journey. And that was the the, the story you told me about you know, really cranking up the credit hours in your final year at UT Arlington yeah. so that you could take this opportunity in Silicon Valley. Yeah. Somebody out there was, was, was starting a startup yeah. and you had a chance to go out there and learn about coding. Give, give people a sense of what that whole journey was like, what yeah. you picked up there and how you brought that back to Dallas. Yeah. You know, one of the coolest individuals that I've ever met in my life is a lady by the name of Dr. Anita Lovell. She was my professor for my entrepreneurship class in University of Texas at San Antonio. She was the one that said, Danny, given all of these projects to everyone that's in the entrepreneurship class, but you actively have a real business on campus that people know about. So why don't you just utilize your business as the capstone? And at that point, I was able to take what I was doing on a daily basis and present that to all of my class members on a consistent moment to where it just prepped me for the business. And she said, by the end of this capstone, you will be prepared to meet the individual that I think that you should meet that happens to be in San Francisco, Silicon Valley. And little did I know it was actually her son. Her son had the ability, Danny Leffel, to raise over $14 million and represent themselves in San Francisco by leaving a company by the name of eBay, right? And starting a similar platform like eBay, where instead of you bidding, you're utilizing gamification. So ultimately when I heard about that, I was like, wow, this gives me a perspective to stay in round games, gamification, while at the same time being right behind someone that's building a company from a co-founder, uh, CEO perspective. So I can learn not only just development, but I can learn finance, I can learn marketing, I can learn just how to build a tech startup in an area where tech startups are known for, you know, some of the largest esports, I mean, some of the largest companies in this in the in the world have started out of San Francisco Silicon. Valley. So I automatically knew going up there. I thought a little cocky that I was going to go up there and I was just going to turn into the next Zuckerberg. But I quickly (laughs) identified that it's incredibly difficult, incredibly challenging uh, to get up there and create a tech startup to where it's a unicorn. But it was cool because it humbled me while at the same time understanding that these skill sets that are being learned are valuable to any geographic location. And that's what let me know, like everything I'm learning here, I can take back home and I can provide to the community that are back home because I quickly identified the cool thing about San Francisco is that one, I am African-American and I I didn't see too many. I was the only African-American in a 24 man team, no 32 man team, but I did see an instance where people come together and they share information pretty freely. So at this point, coming back from an area where you're in the southern sector of Dallas, 
and you're growing up where people really hold information and it's really hard to identify how to move unless you got somebody that's right there that's just like kind of helping you guide through it. But you can't right. go out and just ask somebody for information because they'll try to take advantage of you. So when that's what one of the real awakening that I had in San Francisco is just the concept of open source, the concept, concept of homebrew and just coming together and giving information. So that ultimately was one of the biggest takeaways that I've experienced. Another takeaway that I experienced in San Francisco is that we built a platform that reached upwards of about a little over 2 million users. And in one day, we recognized that Facebook, we were utilizing a lot of Facebook platforms to sell the items. And in one day, Facebook released sponsored posts, which killed our business model. And at that point, we were sitting there in the actual space and we were like, what do we do? Like we have no more business because people are actively going to use sponsor posts versus our platform. And I just seen a critical decision that our CEO had to make. And he did it in a sense where it was like, wow, I can only imagine that this was a difficult decision to the point where you had to lay off over half of our individuals that are in our company. And just so happened, I was one of those individuals that are amongst the engineers, a part of that company. And he was just like, Danny, I know this is tough for you, but the investors wanted to keep you because of the excitement and the experience that you have and the value that you can add to our company. But at that time, I wasn't trying to hear that because the individuals that were left off were the people I was interacting with on a daily basis. And that really hurt me to the point where I was like, this happens and they don't speak about this in, in San Francisco, Silicon Valley. They don't stop, talk about this. But, you know, he literally let me know. He sent me to the side and said, Danny, this is, you know, this is the realities of business. It moves fast. And one day things can change and you have to be willing to pick yourself back up and keep pushing. And immediately when he stated that, I recognized that nothing should be able to stop me when it comes down to experiencing an obstacle and not trying to figure out how to overcome that obstacle. And then it made me immediately go back to track and understanding the dynamics of running long distance and understanding that you have to pace yourself and always think about new ways to engage because ultimately someone else is strategizing in order to be able to get that first place prize. So it just brought everything all together and that immediately let me know like, exposure, entrepreneurship, technology, impacting the community, all of that I had to build into one and I knew I can do it back home. Yeah. I mean, incredible. Visiting with Danny Martin, the CEO of Exposure, located in DeSoto, Texas. If you're not from the state of Texas, that's just south of Dallas. I'm familiar with that area. Got a beautiful building there where he's got all kinds of activity going and he has given us a great sense of his journey and what his purpose and mission is there. When you came back to Dallas, Danny, you you had the 2000 square foot loft that you converted into an esports arena. What was happening there and how did you realize that you needed to move on to a bigger space? How long did it take you to figure all that out? Yeah. So when I came back to Dallas, I was focusing on building a tech platform for tournament organizing. I knew in college that tournament organizing is something big. It helps create more opportunities for the competitive gamers. And ultimately, I was focusing on tournament organizers. Just so happened when I converted the space, the tournament organizers were bringing their gamers and I started understanding the different communities of gaming. When you think about esports, you think about the shooter community, you think about the mobile community, you think about the fighter community, you think about the racing community, you think about the sports community. And as I was building this tech platform, I quickly recognized that in order to build this and adhere to all of those communities, I need to raise a significant amount of capital to build a sufficient platform when it comes down to a development standpoint. And I knew that because I had just experienced San Francisco. So I was like, $14 million goes quick when you happen to pay a $120,000 for developers or even more to that. So I was just like, 
I have to raise some big capital. And I was just like, I tried, I reached out to Mark Cuban and so many other investors, and I just wasn't getting the hits because I didn't have a lot of traction on my platform, which is understandable, right? So I had to figure out like, okay, well, I have to build a true community first. And that's esports, like, right? You have to build a true community. So instead of me trying to create this platform for all the different communities, I had to pick a community. And I said, okay, what community is, you know, needing the most support, you know, it doesn't have the most traction. Or if I went to the most traction, how am I going to have to compete with all the big league players that are in those particular communities? And I was just like, the League of Legends, Dota's, I know they sound awesome. They got a lot of money, but I don't think I'm ready for that type of gameplay just yet. So let me actually go to the sports community, which ultimately needed a lot of support so they can get on the same type of platform as your League of Legends and Dota communities. And I quickly identified that sports games are 1v1. So I was just like, that's the first reason why it's not on the same platform when when you have a League of Legends that's 5v5 and it has different personalities. And so for the sports games, I was just like, I, I was ready. And then two years into hosting tournaments, 1v1 for sports and working the tech platform around that, NBA 2K came out with 5v5. And as soon as it came out with 2K16 5v5 Pro-Am, I was like, this is it. Like, if every sports game understands that they can add their value, then they will shoot up in regards to actual engagement from individuals who are truly competitive and are used to actually experiencing traditional sports from a team capacity. Now they can experience it in a video game capacity. This is everything. So I immediately started focusing on the 2K community and allowing individuals to come into the facility to play 5v5 and less focusing on the tournament organizers, but knew like if we can give the 2K community an opportunity to come and experience something that they never experienced because most 2K players that play 5v5, they play online and their teammates are in different geographic locations. So if you allow them to come into one physical environment, you got five on one side and five on one side, the entertainment, the engagement is just on an elevated degree. So understanding that value, I was quickly able to say, okay, well, here's what we want to do to be able to create this tournament, this league for these players. And then two years right after that, the NBA announced a partnership with NBA 2K to construct the NBA 2K league. And they offered a $1.2 million prize first. At that time, yeah. all the players that was in our facility, they were like, deuces, <laughs> you're, about to, you're about to go to the NBA 2K League. You know, you're not paying us enough here, right? And, and at that point, I was just like, okay, awesome. This lets us know that we have another opportunity. How can we help more players get to the NBA 2K League by creating this sense of a G League, a developmental league experience? Mm-hmm. And at that point, I was just like, I think we have something. Like, I don't want to be the best of the best. And well, naturally, you want to be the best of the best, but forcing it when you know that you have opportunity to really impact and get individuals to another level. I was just like, hey, team, we're comfortable. We want to support. And that's what forced me to go out to high schools and colleges to really find individuals that can help me give these players a better pipe, a pathway and a platform so therefore they can get drafted in the NBA 2K League. Right, which means that uh, you have you have individuals training in either, I guess, in person or remotely now with COVID who were mm-hmm. preparing for the NBA 2K league draft, yes. hoping that some of them get picked up on teams. So yes. you know, like part of that, I guess, farm system, that's, that is super exciting. Yeah. You know, when I walked through your building, Danny, I mean, I just got a real sense. It's crazy. Even though there was n- nothing going on per se, there was still a lot going on and you have a lot of rooms and I was impressed with everything that you, you, you almost have created your own ecosystem. And I'm talking about from the, 
production room where you got all of your, we were talking about the differences between producer, director, and technical director in, in yes. TV, sports TV. Yes. And, and what were those positions again? It was- It was the ATEM director, a graphic ATEM director, which, yeah. which is the machine, right? And then yes. the graphics director, and then- <laughs> And the broadcast technician, yes. Broadcast, right. And those rooms, and of course, the room where the competition happens, some bleachers, you got a place to have refreshments, and then all the other ancillary rooms where people can go in and have meetings, do other podcast hosting, even a machine to print your own jerseys and you know, yes. all, and all sublimation, all that kind of stuff. So you got yes. it all right there. You have all these great spaces and, and you've been managing it very well. What's your vision? for when the world or this country, you know, is much more vaccinated and we now go back to being able to go 50, 60, 70, 80% capacity. Yeah. How do you imagine things being at exposure? What's yeah, happening man. every day it's, or what's happening on the weekends? Exactly, man. This is really awesome to be able to be able to answer this question because before when we, you know, when we were in the small space, we easily know that we need to grow into a better space to add more opportunities for people to give their skill sets when it came down to me selfishly looking into employee individuals to help as we grow and ultimately having this space right now, it was quickly identified that before COVID, like we wanted to do so many events and we were ultimately trying to not necessarily compete with all the other esports organizations, all the esports arenas, you know, around, but we knew like, okay, we can't compete with a 4,000, you know, a seating arena or even larger space. So we had to like carve out our little niche and be being able to be focusing on tournament organizing. I knew that, you know, you have to be able to create tournament organizers. So therefore they can facilitate larger event spaces like Esports Stadium, Arlington, and so many others that are out there. So we really were focusing on the active gameplay inside of the space and just using our team to support the active gameplay. And then when COVID hit, we were just like, well, right, right before COVID, maybe like a month before COVID, we coined the opportunity to engage with ISDs in our area. Right now we're in six, we have six ISDs in our local area, DeSoto, Duncanville, Red Oak, Dallas, Lancaster, the Duncan, the, the Cedar Hill, and, mm-hmm. and some more other ones. And I was just like, man, we need to open up the opportunity to engage with these ISDs, but we couldn't think that they just going to create programs in their schools. We have to use this facility to give them some insight to what esports looks like so they can come in and invite their students to participate in our programs. So we had so many letter of intents. And at that point, COVID hit, they all just dispersed where they were going to bust their kids here and experience our programs. And then literally we had to be like, Whoa, I cannot believe this just happened. So when we pivoted, we created a technology platform that takes all the content that we were going to create for the students, put it onto a web platform, allowing the students to engage. And then ultimately we were in in two months, we created all this where I had to get the team together like, we have to pivot. This is some tight times. Money is running low. How can we survive through this instance? Are y'all for me? Are y'all not? If you're not, then please, I do not want to push you through this. It's going to be intense. It's going to be chaotic. But if we can get through one to two months of this, I promise you, we're going to be able to come on top on this. And we end up did. All the team came together. We built our platform. We had the marketing. We did the full rebrand of a company. And then at, at the end of the day, we had the ability to where we had our first customer who said, wow, we can't do anything else from a virtual perspective. We like that there's an esports program and we want our students to be a part of the esports experience. And that was our first customer for our actual platform. And it was an ISD that was here locally. And we were just like, wow, 
this actually just transpired. And so when I think about the actual education element now, I look at it from the perspective of now as things things are getting back to normal, we now want to provide entertainment for those same students that are in our education platform to walk through these doors and to sit here in the stadium and to be able to watch the players that they are following as fans and that actively engage in the programs in which they are learning on a consistent basis. Almost like when it comes to think of it like a fantasy league, literally being able to watch the players that you see that you pick. So therefore the students can be immersed in the experience of how to operate the next phase clan or how to operate the next complexity or 100 thieves. That's how we want to give support to the students that are part of these esports, that are part of these esports organizations in schools and also part of the school systems when it comes down to introducing esports. So from our perspective, we want this building to be a hub for students to walk through these doors and really get to have the on-site opportunity to engage with aspiring professionals, professionals competing inside of this space. So therefore they can say, wow, my organization from an entrepreneurship perspective that I created can flow along the lines of the top and a highly valued esports organizations around the world. We want students to understand that they too can be able to create the next team envy and complexity and so many other organizations out there. That's the model that we want to be able to have within this building. And we want to showcase that it's sustainable when it comes down to those same students being able to operate the things that goes on inside of this building. And in the instance that they want to be a professional gamer, they could just as much, but we want to showcase the opportunities that are available and replicate this sustainable model to all across the globe. And hopefully we can be able to do that by way of our technology platform. I'm going to tell you something. If you're sitting in front of an investor right now, I don't know why they're not opening up their checkbook saying, okay, I'm in on this, you know, because (laughs) I mean, you have explained it so well with so much passion, energy, experience, and thoughtfulness. I mean, you know, from, from the mayor to the school districts, to families, to the individual kids walking in, that explains what exposure is all about. I have a couple more quick things. Number one, the name. Exposure is it a combination of of esports and exposure? Is that right? Yeah, for sure. Right. Yes, you know. Okay. I think when it came down and very very simple, like when we started before exposure, it was the coin. Everybody knows us for geek leagues, geek and athlete. My goal for that was to make geek leagues feel like they're athletes and athletes feel like they're geeks. And so ultimately, when it came down to creating another name with the whole rebrand to attach ourselves to more, make it a more appealing to school, so they don't be like gaming. Oh, we're not, but they see the education value. So we knew we had to do a rebrand. And I looked at exposed as a bad connotation when you get exposed is not typically good, right? Right, right? But a lot of individuals speak on exposure as getting opportunities in spaces. So I was just like, this could be a great opportunity to combine esports with exposure and utilize it as a way to make us unique. Now, yeah. granted, it's been hard in SEO, which is crazy for us to be able to get a lot of content out there so we can coin the name. But that's just part of those obstacles that we have to push ourselves out there even more so people know what exactly exposure is. But you got it right. It's a combination between esports and exposure. All right. That was a good guess on my part. And then I love the logo as well, because it also is a very strong message about education. So it's yes. the letter E. Yes. Uh, on top of a graduating hat with a tassel hanging off of it, right? Yes, That's the, sure. that, that is a, that is a connotation to ed, to education and graduation to moving forward. Yes, exactly. You got it right on top. You know, it's awesome. it's very viable right now. You know, when we first started, you know, or even not first started before COVID and the instance that schools recognized that there needed to be education in esports when there was no traditional sports going on. 
you know, we seen the value, but people looked at us as going directly to the league, like you're LeBron James going out of high school into the league. And that's just not quite how it should be. But it, it, it was the only choice because people couldn't go to high schools and go to their esports program or to go to colleges. And so now we're starting to see esports programs develop. So now for us, we're just that aiding factor for them. And there may be a parent out there to be like, all right, our, our school has an esports program, but if we go to Exposure, they're going to take our son and daughter straight to the leagues because they have the actual expertise to be able to do it. So we look at ourselves now as a more of an academy. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is awesome. You have everything. And the website, finally? Yes, it's Exposure.gg. Exposure.gg. So make sure you look that up. Danny, man, it's been a pleasure. We have both crazy schedules, right? Always busy with a bunch of stuff. We've tried to do this a couple of times, but finally we got it worked out. And I just want to thank you for your hospitality to allow me to come down and and give me the tour of everything. It was so impressive. I'm going to ask you that, please, when you have your first tournaments or when you start doing things again, can I please come down? I'd love to hang out and sit into that, what I would call like the broadcast room and see the people in your world, how you actually put an event on. I want to I learn about all these things. It has just yeah. been such an amazing experience to see how this broadcaster can watch the shoutcasters do their yeah. thing. You know, I, I want to do that. So if you'll let me come down, I, I look forward to that. Yeah. I only have one ask for you. If you're able to give our team of students insights and information on your journey through life and helping them be able to leave with something more impactful. It would be my pleasure. It'd be my pleasure. What we can do if you want is we can book something where I can come down when things open again and and maybe give a talk and and more importantly, do a Q&A because, you know, they don't need to hear me talking forever. They need to take (laughs) their questions and answer those questions. So I am all about that. We can tape it, use it as content for your place. I love to do it. Okay. All right. Well, Danny, once again, thank you so much, man. Appreciate the time already. And and best of luck for everything you're doing. Thank you. And vice versa, man. I love the fact that you're in the space and you're interested and you're engaged and you're humble about not knowing everything, just like all of us that's been in space. Today, I don't know everything. And tomorrow, I'm not going to know everything. So it's cool to be able to have those conversations with you. Well, thank you. We're going to have more for sure. So once again, a huge thank you to Danny Martin, CEO at eSposure, the leading esports technology provider of professional esports education. You got that right. Production. I mean, he's got it all studio services and of course, competitive gaming experiences and career development. I mean, for all of you parents out there who are looking at esports cross-eyed, your kids are on there too much. You need to listen. You need to look, see what's going on. And if you go down and visit with Danny or check him out online, you're going to see that there are a lot of opportunities with all all sorts of tracks for education in and around the space of, of esports. And of course, that's eSposure, E-S-P-O-S-U-R-E dot G-G. All right. So this is going to wrap up another edition of All In With Esports. Thank you guys so much for checking us out online, esportsfutureride.com, on Twitter, Facebook. I always give a big shout out to Aaron and Sia and AJ at Innovation Media Enterprises. They make sure that all of our podcasts uh, get on the air so that you can see them across multiple platforms. And don't forget to listen to all of our other podcasts. We have the Future of Marketing and Esports with Rebecca Langawa, very sharp. John Davidson, who is also a legend in the business and the DLC Drop podcast. Dr. Mark's masterclass, Dr. Mark Williams, if you haven't listened to his show, you better get on it because he's involved with HBCUs, all kinds of stuff. Mark, Dr. Mark's uh, story about his whole life and what he's done is crazy. And his involvement in esports is outstanding. And of course, our latest edition is the Esports E-Zine podcast hosted by 
our esports future eye editor in chief, Miss Chantel Boucher. We've got a show coming up. I keep talking about that, right? I keep teasing it. We're working on the logo, we're working on our music, but it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to involve looking back, looking forward, a little food, a little mukbang. I'm learning about all those kinds of things. And we've got several other shows in development from new people who are coming on board, and we can't wait to get those out to you. And everybody is talking about esports. So, one link to all these uh, esports podcasts is going to be esports. FPN. All right. Esports FPN. You've got them all right there and much, much more original programming to come across the entire network. So once again, just thanks so much for being with me today. Hope you've been inspired. We love doing that. That's very important. And let's talk again soon on All In with Esports. Take care, everybody. Hey, thanks so much for listening to All In With Esports. Now, don't forget to subscribe to your favorite podcast channel. And we would love to hear from you about this or any other shows on the Esports Future Eye Network. 